episode four happening in uh, three, two, one. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour with Louis Q. Today is May 19th, 2020. When we last spoke, we were fixing to reopen the restaurant and getting things ready to go, and now we officially open on Thursday, so we got a lot of exciting things to talk about. A lot of the things that I talked about on our last episode are completely irrelevant now because in this COVID-19 world, everything is changing in instances, you know, instantaneously. Today, I'm filming, I'm, I'm recording, if you're watching the video version of this, I'm recording in the morning, trying something different out, trying to see how I feel in the morning versus how I feel recording at nighttime. So instead of drinking bourbon, because I do got to go to work in, what is it, four hours, I am drinking uh, Harney and Sons Fine Tea. It's the green tea with, it's green tea with a Thai twist. It's actually really good. I've been slowly trying to get away from coffee and drink more tea because it's supposed to be good for you. Uh, I feel a little bit different. I don't know if I feel like completely different. I still have that itching for caffeine, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent like I'm a hundred percent on on teas, but I'm getting there. Anyways, got a lot of cool things to talk about, um, and let's let's jump right into it, guys. Oh, you know, before we before we go and jump into it, I want to say thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for subscribing to Instagram, to YouTube, following me on Facebook. And uh, listening to our podcast, to my podcast, it means a lot to me to know that at least some of you guys are listening to what I got to say and you enjoy listening to my voice or seeing me on video format. So that's cool. Well, all right. So my restaurant, Papacito's Cantina, we are a Texas-based restaurant. We will be reopening on Thursday. So that's Thursday the 21st. And so in the past coming weeks, we've been slowly getting our, our, our groove bag, taking everything that we had in storage, bringing it all back out, washing it, sanitizing, bleaching everything, um, all to get ready for Thursday. But the most interesting part, I'm not going to talk about you know, uh, what we did in the kitchen to get everything clean and whatnot, because I mean, that's everyone's got to do that. What was really interesting was we have about somewhere around like 35 to 40 tables on the inside of the restaurant, not including our like party room. And not including the patio either. We had to literally go from like 35, 40 tables and condense that to I think we have like 20-something now or maybe even less than that. And they're all spaced out six feet apart. They've all got blue tape under them. But the process of doing that was really interesting because now you know, you realize that every single table, every single seat counts. And what we were doing is, you know, so we, we started from the very beginning. We have garage doors that, so when you pull, when you walk into our, our restaurant, doors open, you're at, you agree at the host stand. Our host stand can be moved. So somebody had, one of our managers had a great idea to move the host stand completely from the original spot that it's in and put a table there. That way we can maximize the amount of tables we have in the restaurant. So we're all having to get very creative with how we're doing this. Um, so we have garage doors, so we were able to open the garage doors and kind of place a larger table. It's a table that fits about six people. It's a circular table that can fit some people there. And then throughout our party rooms, we were able to space things out and, and get it, like, fit as many of our small parties of four as possible because a party of two, a party of one is more valuable than a party of zero. 
Um, we utilize the patio, which I, I spoke about last time, or not last time, but in a couple podcasts ago, how important it is for those restaurants that have patios to really utilize those patios. So uh, we normally have these picnic table style patio uh, tables outside that are really bulky and huge and hard to move. What we did was we completely removed those and we put the tables that we have in the dining room outside. So they're smaller, easier to move, um, lighter, and we can fit more of them in that patio area. So I think now we have like, I was one, two, like it was like eight, eight or nine patio tables outside. Then we have this front area we're, we're right in front of the restaurant, which is which was reserved for a um, waiting area, which we never utilized ever. And now we, we put three, we were able to fit three tables out there in the front so that now we can convert those into tables as well. But I, I really thought, you know, if we have all these tables outside and we're doing all this moving, it's going to be because we use trays. I, I don't, you know, we're, we're not big on the, you know, carrying 15 plates on your hands. So we, we put all of our food on trays. Carrying trays out in and out of closed doors is really hard to do if you haven't done it before. Um, but what are we going to do? Are we going to keep the doors open? We, we're in Georgia. It gets hot. You know, are you going to make your guests inside suffer? Um, I think you got to think about that. So let's think. Yes, you want to save a little bit of money on electricity, which I think right now you can get away with because it's still under like 80 degrees. It's still, we're having a mix of like 70 degree weather and then one day it'll be 50 and one day it'll be back to 80 something. So we're not like in the full, uh, as they call it here, hell's front porch. We're, we're, not, we're not in the full mist of, of, of summertime. So I think for at least for now, it, it's beautiful outside here in Georgia at least. Open the garage doors, open all the, all the doors that we have in the restaurant and just turn the the fans on full blast and turn off the AC. You can save probably a lot of money doing that, uh, especially for some of you smaller restaurants that um, don't really have that much space to, to, to circulate AC through. So, I mean, for us, it, it takes a lot to pump that AC through and get the whole restaurant hot because, I mean, you could be real cold in the front, and if you sit in the back room, you sit in one of our – we have a side we have a side room that um, – in the wintertime, it's it's really poorly insulated. So in the wintertime, it is freezing, even if I have the heater on. And in the summertime, no matter how cold I try to make that place, that side pod room is hot. It's an old building, poor insulation, whatnot. So nothing you can do about that. But I think it really adds to your vibe, too, if you're going to open up, if you have garage doors, if you have doors that you can open up and you know have access to. Um, forget about you know anything crawling in because they're going to... Well, I wouldn't say forget about cockroaches and whatnot, but you can get away with that as long as you have good pest control and whatnot. So it really added to the vibe with the music, with the, at least for us, for a Mexican restaurant, adding the, that, that Mexican music vibe to having the, the patio doors open to where it just feels like you're, you're sitting somewhere in the tropics, or you're not in the tropics, but you're sitting somewhere outside, you know, and you're in the middle of Georgia. So that's pretty cool. So saving electricity, that, that's one way to do it, but... Um, if you choose not to, I mean, you definitely need to utilize your patio area. Uh, be really smart about where you're putting your tables. So right now we're supposed to be installing plexiglass to go between all the booths. Uh, so that way we can utilize all four booths. Originally, uh, if you listen to my last podcast, I had said that we are not having bar stools. 
But actually yesterday I got a great call from my GM saying that they were going to let us do, I think it's 12 bar stools. So what we're going to do is we're putting um, two stools and then spacing six feet, two stools spacing six feet, two stools spacing six feet. Now how are we getting, a, you know, how are we getting away with that and saying, okay, well, what's stopping somebody from just walking up to the, to the front? We're going to put some kind of tape or, or some kind of you know, paper and tape that say that, hey, you can't sit here. You can't move these. They're not allowed to be moved. You have to sit in these two spots. So at least my bartenders are now going to get to have at least some of the regulars come back. They're going to get to have that bar vibe coming back again. Let's talk about the menu before we go into anything else. Our menu has been completely condensed. So we we famous for lamb chops, our brochette shrimp, our fajitas. We've got a, a big selection when it comes to Mexican. We even have quail on the menu, where you know not very common for a Mexican restaurant to have all these all these items. Uh, all those are gone. We're still doing fajitas. We're still doing enchiladas, quesadillas, tacos. Uh, our brochette shrimp, which is uh, it's like a bacon wrapped shrimp, bacon wrapped shrimp with uh, jalapenos and Monterey Jack cheese, and um, which is extremely delicious. We cook on a mesquite grill for those of you guys that don't know. So uh, it's a charcoal grill with hickory wood, and it gives it some amazing flavor. And God, I, you know, if you never tried our food, come on over and try it if you're ever in Atlanta. But so our menu's been condensed a great amount. And um, we were only bringing back six of our cocktails that we normally had, you know, three-page menu before. We now have only six cocktails. So I started thinking, how am I going to, one, well, before they even told me that we were going to bring back the bar stools, I'm scrambling to figure out, okay, how am I going to sell all of this inventory that I have in the restaurant? Because I had a whole lot. Because, I, you know, I order... At the time, I ordered based off of us being, you know, in peak season because we had Cinco de Mayo coming up, we had Mother's Day coming up, we had graduations coming up. So, you know, we're, we were getting ready for a huge May. So I started to slowly build up to make sure that I was ready for it. And then all of a sudden, the coronavirus, well, I guess the coronavirus happened in, what was it, February or whatever, but I have a lot of inventory in, in the bar. So I'm trying to figure out, man, how the hell am I going to get rid of all this stuff? Or not get rid of it, but sell it. Um, so I started coming up with a few creative ideas before they told me we could have the bar stools. So I, that I think I'll share with you guys to see if maybe you can use it in your restaurants. When it comes to how are we going to push beverage drinks, originally we were just going to have a service bartender that would come in and make drinks for the floor. And that was it. No actual bartender making drinks for a, you know, your, your bar top. So before they told me that I could have that, my plan was to, we have a cocktail cart in the back, which we used, uh, so a couple, let's see, it would have been December-ish. Uh, right around the holidays, we rolled out this cocktail cart where we were making a table-side drink, a uh, table-side margarita, where we would, uh, each one varied, but this one, we were lighting it on fire. It was a cool presentation. Uh, it was very, uh, a very fallishy drink. That did pretty well. So we have it just sitting in our back storage right now, and I wanted to utilize it on our busy day. So our busy days would be Wednesday, which is our half-price fajita night, which before, by the way, I think for now at least they're thinking about only doing the fajitas for Wednesdays and no quesadillas, no tacos, which would be huge for us because that's a, you know, 
efficiency, when we're talking about efficiency, that's this is where it comes super important and, and big. We have to make sure that now that our guests are slowly starting to come back into the restaurant, we have, you know, the, the, the t- ticket times that they're, you know, accustomed to have to continue to go. They have to be able to continue to receive their food at a fast rate, and we have to be able to get these folks in and out of the restaurant so that we can continue to flip these tables, right? So finding out items that you can cook quickly, deliver to your guests, and then, you know, rinse and repeat. But anyways, uh, where was I? Oh, man, I forgot where I was at. Ah, yes. So we were talking about um, the beverages. We have a cocktail cart in the back, and we have this drink called the Zombie Margarita that um, is a huge number one seller that's not coming back on the menu. It it requires a lot of extra juices and whatnot, so I'm assuming they decided just to not go through all the extra prep work. But I still have all the ingredients for it. So what I was going to propose to my GM and, and his boss was to allow me to go on those busy, high-volume days to, to bring in a second service bartender to either assist in the bar when, when needed and to walk around table to table and sell this drink. So how does this work? I think you can easily social distance and make sure that you're you know, complying to all of the health regula- regulations with this. Um, so we pushed the cocktail cart around. On the bottom of the cart, you'd have a Lexan full of ice a ice scooper you'd have maybe like six or seven shaker tins well you don't even need shaker tins but we have the pre-made mix in the bulk we've already got the alcohol mix in there so all you have to do is add ice to a cup pour the mix give it to our guests with the straw and then walk back up to the server and say hey your table you know table three order this drink ring it in let me get your card let me ring it in for you boom that sale's gone uh, that way, we're making sure that at least almost every single guest in the restaurant has some kind of alcoholic beverage on the table. Um, because we all know you make your money at the bar. You know, you, you're, your highest profit margins come from liquor sales. So we have to make sure that we're efficiently selling this liquor, or I mean, we could sell all the food in the world and it's really not going to make that much of a dent for us, right? Um, Besides that, I thought it would be really interesting to try. So, to, to, so our guests are going to be encouraged to sit in their cars while they're waiting for their tables should we go on a wait or when we go on a wait. I think, it'd be, I think it would have been really cool and still be really cool, and I'll let you guys know if this actually if they allow me to do it and if they do allow me to do it, how it works out for me, to have that same person on the cocktail cart going around to, in our parking lot to the cars and the people that are waiting and serving these drinks. How I would do that, I don't know yet. Um, We don't have like tablets to run payments on yet. So they would have to maybe either order online the same way they would do a to-go order. I mean, because you could order a six-pack of beer online, um, to my knowledge. We just have to, you know, staple into a bag and do all this other stuff. But you can order beer. I'm pretty sure you can order a bottle of wine. So if they would let me... Uh, or if they would put liquor on the, the 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 actual website, so that you know, okay, hey, I'm in this car in this area, or you can just walk by and just sell these drinks, or maybe you could just do cash bar only, cash only, or whatever, and and find a way to sell alcohol that way. I think that'd be really cool. You you really have to get creative with how we're doing this. Maybe having somebody stand in the front 
of the waiting area, you know, because we will have a waiting area. I'm assuming people are going to be spaced out. Have somebody up front, positioned up front to sell beer, to sell uh, maybe, you know, your top, top drink. So that's one thing I wanted to do. Uh, right now we're coming back into the, into the, in the summertime, and our most popular drink is the watermelon margarita, frozen watermelon margaritas. So those are going to go back on our margarita machines. Those of you that do have some kind of daiquiri or margarita machine, utilize that. Now is your time to really get creative with a cocktail, put it in that machine, freeze it, pour it out, and sell it to our guests. Um, we have one called the, the Platinum Margarita, which is the Patron-based margarita that uh, really, I personally think that frozen, it tastes amazing. I'm not a big fan of the, the On the Rocks. I'm not a big fan of Patron in general, but uh, this drink is, is amazing frozen. And we did it for Cinco de Mayo last year. We had it on our outdoor margarita machine. And that thing sold out literally within like the first two hours. I had to remake it. And at first I thought, you know, there, there's no way that we did that. But I mean, these folks were really sucking this thing down. And it, it was one of the, it's one of those cocktails that slowly creeps up on you. And it, it, it's so sweet and it, and it tastes so good that you're just like, oh, there's no way there's that much alcohol in this. And then maybe you have three of them later and then you stand up and you're like, oh, boy, here we go. So that one is one that I really, 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 at least on Friday and Saturday, want to put on our margarita machines. Because right now we have two, four, six, eight margarita machines behind the bar. Not including one if I decided to take it out of storage and put it on the patio. So I, I can really get creative with what I'm doing as far as the, the margarita machines are concerned. So I think if I have one with our, with our house margarita, which is you know a given, we're already going to sell that one. That one's popular already. We're going to have the watermelon frozen. Uh, I really would like to have our platinum, which is one that I noticed, at least here in Atlanta. I don't know how well it does in Texas, but in Atlanta, it did really well on Cinco de Mayo, and people loved it. Um, I would love to put that on our margarita machine uh, j just to figure out an extra way, you know, because right now it's only available on the rocks. And if it's only available on the rocks, then I'm limiting myself to that person that, you know, prefers on the rocks drinks. But right now in 85 degree weather, I don't I, I want a frozen drink. If, if I'm probably the average person, I, I want something frozen, something that's going to taste good going down, cool my insides and, and make me feel like I'm sitting on a beach. So I really think that using these these margarita machines for frozen drinks is going to be a, a huge plus, for, a huge advantage for us. Um, we also have a, a drink that we call the Reserva. It's, we we hand select the tequila that goes into um, this drink. So one of our top sellers. That one we can make in bulk. Um, so on the weekends, just to be a little more efficient, we're going to be making it instead of two order. We'll be making it the the bulk style. So that way, it's I mean, it still tastes. It's still exact same amount of alcohol you'd normally get it's still a very strong drink but now it's putting a little less pressure on on the service bartenders and uh because you know we do expect to be busy it's not like we're just expecting to be super slow uh we can crank out these drinks rapidly because i think something that's really missed is you really only have you know if you're operating efficiently you really only have like maybe 15 20 minutes to get two drinks into somebody um because from the second I sit down and say I order that first drink, if it takes me five, ten minutes to get that first drink, I've already placed my appetizer order. Maybe I've even placed my entree. By the time, if, if that entree hits the table before the waiter has had time to come up and even offer a second beverage for me, 
I'm probably not going to order that second beverage because in my mind, I'm already almost done. All I got to do is finish my food and then I'm probably bouncing, you know? So you really have to get that second drink in before that entree comes out. And the way our restaurant's structured, our fajitas, they come out in less than seven minutes. So our waiters definitely don't really have that much time to, to, to fool around. So it's very important that that service bartender is on point and executing these drinks rapidly because if it takes any longer than, than four minutes for that drink to come out, we're in big trouble. So I want to make sure that there's, there's not that much stress on them. They're still having fun. Uh, but our guests are also enjoying their, their dining experience as far as beverage is concerned. Um, a couple things, uh, I guess we'll, we'll go and get into it. You know, so I, most of my bartenders came back, uh, which, which, I mean, I, I was really expected. I mean, it was expected. I have a pretty good bar team, and I'm very proud of them. But, you know, uh, from what I've been reading and looking in some of these Facebook groups, a lot of folks are having trouble bringing bartenders back because, you know, they're getting paid to their two thirteen an hour. You can't really social distance at the bar, and if you do, you're you're doing a limited amount of seats, like we are. And right now, I don't know how it is in the rest of the country, but at least in Atlanta, I don't I don't really know how unemployment works. But most of my bartenders were making like nine hundred to a thousand dollars a week in unemployment. So, in other folks' minds, why would we come back to work and actually work? When I can sit on my ass at home and make not you know make a thousand dollars easy, right? So a lot of folks are having trouble bringing their people back. Um, to that, I say a lot of that goes back to the culture, and, and and I'll do a whole segment on culture behind the bar, culture in your restaurant, and just you know how do you build a, a winning culture? Because when I say winning culture, I mean a culture that's going to last longer than you. Um, something I, I think my GM has really drilled into me is. You know, I, I am a young manager, and uh, I'm very competitive. And uh, you know, the, the company does these things where you know you, they they rank the bars, and you know who's got the highest increase in sales, and who's selling the most, and whatnot. And I want to be number one in every single category, right? And for the first like I don't know, the first like three four months that I was the beverage manager, I was brand new, and I said, you know, hey Jerry, Jerry's my GM, and I said, Jerry. I want to be the best. I want to have this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And he said, listen, man, like, I, I appreciate that. And, and I really love that. And I know you're going to get there. But what happens tomorrow if you get transferred? What happens tomorrow if you decide, I don't want to work anymore and you quit? Are those the bartenders and, and, what, and your vision going to last longer than you? And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, God, this guy just miyagi'd me, you know? Um, but it's true. I think that even if I decided to not come back to the restaurant, the, the culture that I had in place would have survived past me, that the bartenders and the team that I picked back there would have been able to train the future bartenders and, and people coming after them the way that I was doing it because they saw a lot of results in what I was doing. So, I think that if you're having trouble bringing people back, a lot of it comes back to that culture. Are you building a culture that's solely that the sole purpose is to make money every shift, um, or are you building a culture where you're constantly challenging them to learn something new, to learn something different, to whether it's stepping outside of their comfort zone 
and being more comfortable in front of guests, you know, for some servers or learning about the different tequilas you have in the back. We have, oh God, I don't even know how many tequilas we have in the back, but I did this thing uh, where we did the tequila of the week where I literally chose a tequila brand. I had one bartender um, write out, you know, it's a quick little paragraph about, you know, about the company, about the tequila, the flavor profile, when it was made, how long it takes for the you know the tequila to age and whatnot. And then they would bring it and they would educate the rest of the bar team about it. And then after they did that, the bartenders were responsible for that week in bringing that tequila to our pre-shifts and educating the rest of the staff, including managers, about that tequila so that I had servers walking around and they were like, Lewis, you know, I just had a, a, a guest at my table talk about a Highland tequila and asking what, which was our best ones. And I was able to rattle that out completely. And he tipped me a hundred dollars. It's just because, you know, that, that extra knowledge, what are you doing to make sure that that, that knowledge lives past you? And, I, and I'll do a whole new segment on that. But, you know, that, that's really stuck with me is are, are the things that I'm doing right now going to survive me? when I'm no longer at the restaurant because there probably will come a time when I'm no longer either the beverage manager or just with my restaurant here, maybe they transfer me to Texas or I decide to leave the, the company altogether. You know, will the, the, the culture and will the systems that I put into place survive me? And I think that's the real challenge and that's the real fun in uh, being a manager is figuring out, you know, or, or making that actually happen, right? So, my service bartenders came back. Right now, I have I think six of them coming back. Um, at six out of ten, the, the actually seven out of ten, the rest will be coming back either in a to-go position or um, as servers, uh, just because I don't really have that much space uh, or that much. You know, we only have a limited amount of of shifts. Before they told me that I was going to have the bar tops, but we completely redid what they were going to be doing. So my restaurants. Um, this is no disrespect to my bartenders, but they're a little spoiled. Um, our prep guys do a lot of the work for them. So our morning guys, they do the, the morning prep. They, they'll do the sweet and sour mixes. We, we're from, oh, I should have told this. We're a from scratch kitchen. So everything from the juices to the sauces to everything, you know, everything but ketchup pretty much and olive oil and all that nonsense, we make ourselves in-house. So the sweet and sour, the agave sour, the lemonades, the our, our fashionolas, our sweet, our strawberry purees, all that's made in the restaurant, and that was always dedicated to prep. But now that we're coming back with a limited amount of staff, my bartenders are going to have to do a lot more. Which I mean, it's fine. You know, they're, they're all okay with it because they understand that you know this is a crazy circumstance. But you know, we we've completely had to redo their opening checklist, their closing checklist. Um, at first, it was just going to be the service bar area. Now it's going to be probably, I think what we're going to do Monday to, or Sunday to Thursday, we're going to do open the service bar well and then maybe open a mid well. And then on the weekends, we're going to open up what we call our point well, which is the the well closest to the patio because the patio is definitely going to be popping. We're going to have the well by the patio open, a mid well, and then our service bar well available. I think on the weekends I'm going to run two bartenders and a service bartender and possibly that cocktail cart person who's getting paid hourly. And I also want to run uh, on the weekdays we'll do one bartender, one service bartender. Um, that way it's you know, they can at least still make some kind of money, 
but I can make sure that you know there's no issues going on in my bar, and you know we're, they're doing well. So that's that, that that's enough on the bar right now. Uh, I'll let you know more about you know how we do on Thursday, and I'm assuming by the time I post this video and by the time we reopen, everything I just said is probably going to be irrelevant. But at least you know you have some kind of idea of how quickly we're changing and what I'm doing to to make sure that we're being efficient. Um, I'm really excited to open up on Thursday. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I, I really hope that we're going to be, you know, line out the door busy, but um, we'll see. I mean, there, there's really no telling how people are going to react. A lot of other restaurants in the area are open and they're going on big waits, so I can only assume how we're going to do, especially with us and Papado opening up. If you've never been to a Papado, if you've never even heard of Papado, um, it's insane, and the, and the one right next to us is the busiest one that we have. So it, it it is absolutely between us and them. Our parking lot is impossible to get in and out of because of how busy we are. But um, I want to talk about something super, uh, well, not super. Uh, I want to talk about something that's very sensitive, um, sensitive in, in the fact that it, I didn't even think about this while we were doing all of the the talking about COVID-19 and how we're going to reopen all the plexiglass and tables and six feet apart and all that nonsense and how we're going to tell our guests to, you know, wait in their cars. I didn't even think about when the guests are actually in the building. And a specific, uh, there's a specific point that I wanted to talk about. Um, what happens when you have a guest in your restaurant that's consistently coughing? Uh, the, the, this is the same issue you're going to have with a guest that's coughing as when you have a guest that's extremely intoxicated in your restaurant, uh, meaning you're going to have to probably kick them out. Because if you don't do it as the manager, there's going to be a guest that's around them with a family that says, Sir, would you mind leaving the restaurant? Or, or I'm sure there's going to be somebody, you know, the, the, big, the good old Boy Scout that's going to say, Hey, you know, you're not even wearing a mask. Put a mask on, you know, and then all of a sudden words start getting exchanged. And the next thing you know, you got a fight breaking out in your restaurant. So, because we are fearless managers, we have a very, very, very uh, uncomfortable and difficult task ahead of us because there's going to be, you know, we have a management team of, oh, oh God, it's like eight of us. One of us is going to be the first one in our restaurant to have to excuse a guest. Um, so how does that you know how does that work? You can write the perfect script for exactly how you should talk to a guest, but you know if you've ever cut off a guest before, you know that it never goes to script. Uh, you are always taught that when you're cutting off a guest to be absolutely empathetic, sympathetic, you know, I'm so sorry, sir. I hate to do this, uh, but I'm going to have to cut you off, yada, yada, yada. They don't tell you what to say when the guest starts cussing you out and calling you the B word and the F word and all kinds of stuff because he says, I'm not even drunk and you're just being this and you're being that. And they start throwing things at you and stuff. So it is a very uncomfortable thing to do. Um, so now on top of that, we're going to have to deal with coughing and sneezing. How do you know the difference between someone that's coughing? Because here in Georgia, we have an extremely high pollen count. How do you, do, you know, what's the difference between someone that's coughing because they have allergies and sneezing and then coughing and sneezing because they might have the flu or because they're sick? You don't know. 
So what happens when you walk up to that guest who might have allergies like me and is sneezing in the restaurant and you're kicking me out? I'm completely healthy. What do you mean? You have to kick me out. I'm not sick. I have allergies. I took a, 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 a what is it? The Claritin. I'll be fine in five minutes. You know, and I, and now I'm upset. I'm gonna I'm gonna write up to your corporate. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call the news. I'm gonna do whatever. You're going to have those guests, but I think one guest doesn't trump your entire restaurant. The safety of everyone in the restaurant, that staff, and your guests. So we're going to have to have those difficult conversations because we don't know. If you're temping people at the front door, um, I mean, that might be, that might help in your favor if you are deciding to temp every single guest that walks in because at least you know they don't have a fever. So the coughing and the sneezing might be related to, um, you know, allergies or whatnot. But what happens if you're not temping these people? Or they don't feel comfortable with you temping them and say, I don't even want you to touch me. You're in a violation of my rights, yada, yada, yada. I think now you have to have the conversation. Either you pull them aside or, you know, you, you well, number one, you want to make sure that should a guest bring it up to you, hey, that guy over there hasn't stopped sneezing. I've got two kids. I don't feel safe being in this restaurant. Um, I don't think the right move is to talk to that guest and say, hey, okay, well, I can move you somewhere else. I can. Would you like to leave? Because they're there enjoying their meal and they're paying for their food the same way the person that's sneezing and coughing is. Only difference is the person that's sneezing and coughing is now drawing unwanted attention to themselves. Um, so it's a very sticky subject that you have to approach with caution and approach appropriately. By that, I mean by no means walk up to that guest and say, excuse me, sir, uh, I'm going to need you to leave. You're sneezing and coughing and disturbing the guest. Absolutely not. Never want to do that. What I do recommend you do is um you know take the empathetic approach um so you know your guy is sneezing coughing excuse me sir uh you know how are you doing today how's your meal or if you don't even have your meal you know how are you today you know start a conversation um i don't mean to be rude or probably don't say that never mind don't say that because when you say that it's like in the south when you say bless your heart you really don't mean that you're about to say something really mean, or when you say, with all due respect, you're probably about to say some rude shit to him. Don't say that. But anyways, you're going to want to walk up to the person and politely say, you know, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Um, I wouldn't bring in the other guests into it. I wouldn't say, well, there's guests that are talking, you know, that, that are feeling uncomfortable because you don't want to make them feel um, like shit either. So I would offer to box their food up if they're already eating. I would offer to, you know, if their food isn't even there yet, offer to run their payment for them and bring the food out to their car as long as they pull into one of your spots or whatever. Um, if they cause a huge scene, take care of that meal. That That's the big one. I would urge you, instead of starting an argument and just say, you know what, sir, um, I would love to take care of your meal for you. I understand this is a very um, uncomfortable situation, and it, it's probably really inconvenient. You drove all the way out here to eat our food, and now I'm having to kick you out. I am so sorry. Let me take care of this meal for you to show you how much I appreciate you, um, but I'm doing it for the well-being of everyone in this restaurant and yourself. I'd hate for anyone else to get sick um, or, or to be, you know, I want everybody to be at ease when they're in this restaurant eating. Um, 
you know, taking care of that meal will go a long way. Now, I know there's a lot of restaurants that don't believe in it. I mean, there's places that I've gone to that if I find a piece of hair in my food, they'll only comp half of the meal. What? Like, take care of the whole thing. Are, are you really penny-picking that much to where you can't take care of my meal for, for a mistake that you made? Um, in, in this instance... It's not the guest fault they're sneezing. You can't control it. I mean, now I'm walking around the stores, and if I have to sneeze, if I have to cough, I'm I'm, I'm panicking. I'm I'm holding. I'm I'm walking around like that. You know, I'm walking. If you're watching the video, you just saw me make a really cute face. But, um, you know, you're walking around in fear because you don't want people to think you're sick. Um, I mean, you you even have to hold. I mean, there used to be a time when you can just let it rip and, and you'd be fine. But now it's people are. It's insane. So as unfortunate as it is, I really do think you're going to have to kick out those guests that are, are consistent. Like, I'm not talking about like one quick <laughs> a cough, you know, or like, you know, you're, you're, you're choking on some food and you had that kind of cough. But I'm saying if, if you notice in the last five minutes, this dude is sneezing and he's got boogers coming down his nose and he's got, he's got the, the heavy cough where you know he's got some kind of fluid in his lungs and you can hear it. It doesn't sound like a normal cough. Now you have to have that uncomfortable conversation and you know either take care of the meal and get them out of the restaurant as quickly as possible, um, box their food up for them, get them out. Oh, don't even do it. Well, actually, don't box the food up. Because you don't want to bring that into the kitchen, you're going to offer, you know, bring them to go plates, have them box their food up themselves, um, and then get them out of the restaurant. I think you want to do that as quickly as possible because then all the guests around that person are going to understand and they're going to realize that you're looking out for their best intentions and you're looking out for their safety as well. Um, that you're not only concerned with that, you know, however much money they're paying for that plate, but you're concerned for their well-being. So uh, as uncomfortable as it is. Uh, I think we're going to have to do it. How are you guys doing it? If you are, please let me know. Um, I would love to. Uh, for the most part, I'm in the kitchen. I don't really work that many floor shifts anymore. But when I do, you know, there's always, I feel like always on my shifts, for whatever reason, I, I don't enjoy doing it, but I'm more comfortable cutting people off and doing that kind of stuff. So I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. Um, I'm pretty sympathetic, and, and I think I know my way. I'm pretty smooth when it comes to talking to guests. But how are you guys handling that situation? Because some of you might not even kick anybody out at all. And if you have somebody that says, you know, hey, that person's coughing, you might just say, okay, let me move you. And if you don't want to move, you just stuck where you're at. Um, so just let me know what you guys are thinking. If you are watching this on YouTube, um, uh, please comment and let me know. Um, so let's get into the last my last couple topics before I go, I gotta be at work in, oh crap, an hour and a half. Let me just say, first of all, this tea is really good. I highly recommend it, let me show you. If you're watching the video version of this, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this, but look at this. It, it is uh, Harney and Sons Fine Tea. You can find it at Target, green tea with a Thai twist. I just finished the box of the cinnamon flavored one, which I really love, but this one is a million times better. Um, anyways. I want to talk about a really cool concept happening in Atlanta, and then we're going to talk about one more thing. Uh, so let me pull it up right here. Buffalo Wild Wings is going to open, or they already opened. It was May 13th. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings Go model in Atlanta. Uh, what that means is it's going to be like f almost fully electronic. Uh, here, here, here it is. It, I found this in Inspire. 
um, Inspire Magazine or Inspire, it's like a yeah, InspireBrands.com. Buffalo Wild Wings will open the doors on its first Go Model restaurant on May 13th, just miles away from the Buffalo Wild Wings Atlanta Support Center. The new restaurant format is designed specifically for takeout and delivery orders. The 1,800 square foot Go restaurant will feature a walk-up counter, digital menu boards, condensed seating, and TVs for guests to enjoy while waiting for their orders. Unique to Buffalo Wild Wings Go format, guests who order ahead will be able to pick up their meals from heated takeout lockers, providing a contactless and hassle-free experience. That's awesome. Uh, if you watched, uh, which, which one was it? One of the first podcasts that I did, I talked about my experience at Caesars and this is almost the exact same experience. Um, I said that we were going to have to modify our model. We were going to have to adjust if we were going to survive in this new COVID-19 world. And I think what a lot of restaurants are finding out is that this, this takeout quick, efficient curbside model really works. Um, these lockers promoting these to-go orders online, um, they're still doing like their, their, their deals that they used to do for happy hour and whatnot, uh, their wing deals. Chicken wings, I love chicken wings, so I will definitely be going and trying this out, and I will let you know how my experience goes, but I think that was a really cool concept to think about. Um, you think about minimal staff you probably have to have. You have to, probably only have to have a kitchen staff, and you can probably train somebody in your kitchen to be the walk-up counter guy too. So you don't really need a server. You don't really need anything else like that. Um, and this place is designed for efficiency. Um, you don't have to really worry about much. You don't have to worry about the social distancing because if you were to place the order to go, you just pull up into the locker and take your food. You put the little QR code and you're out. You know. Um, I'm curious to see though how like the TVs work and whatnot. So I'm going to go. Maybe not. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. But I'll let you guys know in the next podcast. Hopefully, I'll let you know a little bit more about my experience at this at this go model. But the the big thing I want to talk about is to go, and how to go is a hidden gem, and how thanks to the coronavirus, I think a lot of restaurants are finally realizing how big to go is. Um, our restaurant. Uh, I know we do have some Pappas restaurants that do like a million dollars plus, and they do ridiculous numbers when it comes to to-go. They, they do probably more to-go orders than they do dine-in orders, some of the restaurants do. My restaurant isn't that big of a to-go store. Uh, for whatever reason, our dining room will go on like a two-hour wait, not because you know we don't know how to run, but because literally we have people lined out the door waiting to eat our food. Um, Papados sometimes will go on like a two and a half, three hour wait, which is ridiculous. And people don't mind waiting that long for Papado uh, or Papacitos. But anywho, one thing that I think, since at least since I got there, that that's been a missed opportunity was to go. Uh, when I was the newest manager, I had to go as my, uh, my area of responsibility, my AOR. And it was, at least for me, it was boring, you know, because we weren't busy. There wasn't anything to do, and when I was trying to figure out ways to maybe build the business as a corporate restaurant, you know, I wasn't thinking. If I had, if I had the knowledge that I had when I was now, that I had maybe when I was a new manager, I would have maybe walked up to some business complexes and you know said, "Hey, we can do bulk fajitas for you." And I think that's something that our GM currently did. 
you know, he was going to people saying, hey, I know every Wednesday you guys order food for all your employees and it's like 50 employees. We can feed you guys with some, you know, amazing fajitas or you could do tacos or quesadillas or whatever, you know, and getting your name out that way, being comfortable enough to walk up to businesses and say, hey, I'm this confident in our food. Let me give you a discount the first time you order from us because I know after that first time of trying our food, you're going to want to pay full price and then some for our food forever and ever and ever, right? So I think a lot of people are realizing how much money there is to be made on to go if you do it efficiency, efficiently. So maybe that means you know when we, when we all go back to normal and our, we have go on our full menus, keeping a condensed to-go menu um, that we can execute efficiently, having this curbside model where you know, okay, hey, you pull up, I call the restaurant, I'm in seat number f- I'm in car number five, car lane number five. I'm going to walk my food up to you, that stuff. The opportunity's there. Whoever wants to innovate as far as to go is concerned, it, the money's there. Where where we went from having one to go server every shift pretty much um, to now I think we're going to reopen with like four because we're expecting our curbside model to continue to increase and to continue to get better um, while our dining room continues to grow as well and I think that e- even if you could have made an extra five thousand ten thousand dollars a day on to go. Or, or increase your sales exponentially throughout the weekend to go that yeah you might be spending a little bit more money on like to go packaging and whatnot but think of how much money we lost because we weren't focusing on to go because you know the, the 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 biggest focus is on the dining room floor you have all your managers focused out there all your managers in the bar you've got people in place in the kitchen to make sure that's executing correctly but no one ever really pays attention to the people at the go those are usually the ones that are the, the most ignored uh which i think is changing and, and, and it's about time it changed because the to-go experience is just as important as the dining experience because if i'm dining in your restaurant and you forget my ketchup you forget my tortillas you forget to make my my steak medium instead of medium rare um, you can fix that. I'll get a manager. You'll come. Hopefully, you'll fix it for me. But if I get in my car, I drive all the way to your restaurant, I get my food, I get all the way home, and I'm missing stuff, and it's wrong, you don't really get a chance to fix that. You don't really get an opportunity to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Why don't you come back in? Let me fix that for you because, dude, I just drove 20 minutes to get there. I'm not driving 20 minutes to get back. I'm just never going to order to-go food from you again. You know, so I think that there was a huge uh, neglect when it came to to go. So what are we going to continue doing at, at our restaurant now? Instead of doing like you know, because right now we're, we're takeout only, so we're, we have this little like drive-in model that we got going on. But once we reopen the dining room floor, we can't do that because our parking lot's going to be reserved for our dining guests. So there there was this area along the the, the wall, we have this big wall uh, behind the restaurant. Where all the managers would park, we're not going to park there anymore. We're going to reserve those those uh, spaces for to go guests, and we're going to do I think like ten of them. Um, but we're going to continue the same curbside model. So we'll have one person in the kitchen bagging with the manager, making sure all the food's going in correctly, warm tortillas, chips and salsa, making sure that everything that they got is in there. You're going to have one on the phones, making sure that that phone doesn't ring more than three times. 
picking up the phone, placing the order. You might have one on the, on the weekends, one in charge of the phones, one in charge of the walk-up guests. So that way, um, at our to-go terminal, we have two terminals. So that way, even if I'm on the phone with somebody, I'm not, excuse me, one second, I'll be right with you. Somebody can just automatically take your order for you. And I mean, even then before, my bartenders were trained to, should you see to go struggling, um, and you're in that, that because our bars space out into like four different sections. So we have our the service bar area, you have the side area closest to the patio that's right next to the to-go stand. They were trained to, you know, should somebody be walking up and you notice they're standing there for a minute, ma'am, uh, have you been helped yet? Can I help you with something? Oh, yeah, I'm placing a to-go order. Okay, what can I get for you? They'll take that order, hand it to the to-go server, or they'll ring it in themselves um, because they understand that they don't, you know, we don't want those guests waiting any longer than they have to be. So we, I mean, I don't really care whether it comes from the to-go server or the bartender, but or who places that order, but I want that order in. I don't want that guest waiting 15 minutes just for you to get off the phone and to come out to the to-go stand because we're busy. If you see that guest, that guest is now yours. And it, you are to treat them as such. And then, you know, now you can get them water. You can say, okay, I'm so sorry for the wait. The to-go server is coming. If they've, let's say they've already placed the order and they're just waiting. Okay, what's your name? Let me go see if it's ready for you. And then, you know, they'll pop their head in the kitchen and say, hey, Tom's here. Uh, he's at the front. I don't know, whatever. And so the to-go server will come up and help them out. But, um, so you have, you know, somebody, up, two people up front. And then you have the runner, the, the person that's, okay, uh, John, you're, you're in car number three. Uh, you already paid. I'll be right there. Uh, hey, Lewis, you know, I'm in the kitchen pulling food. I'm bagging stuff, whatever. Hey, John's here. Okay, John's order's right there. Take it up to him. There you go, sir. Thank you for coming. Have a great day. Or, you know, they're, they're walking up the cars. Like yesterday, I went to Olive Garden, and um, I was in the process of calling the restaurant to let them know that I was there when their to-go server just, like, knocked on my window. and was like, hey, how you doing? So I was really impressed. It was really cool. Uh, so hopefully we can do the same. We can replicate that um, before they even have a chance to call the restaurant and let us know they're here. We're already there, anticipating what they're what they're needing. Um, so what I do urge is that now that you guys are opening up your dining room floors, don't forget about to go. To go is just as important as the bar, just as important as your dining area, um, with the least amount of error possible. Because remember. You screw up in the dining room, you can fix it. You can take care of their meal, you can do whatever. You screw up on to-go, and you probably lost that customer for a while. Even if they do decide to come back, you probably lost their business for at least a month, two, when you could have had them at least five times a month, right? Every guest counts, every guest matters. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I really appreciate those of you who are listening to me on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are now on Google. I said we were on Google before, but some technical difficulties. Uh, I guess I didn't submit my podcast to them. But we are now on all three major platforms, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Um, should you want to see my beautiful face or just see what I look like, you can catch the full podcast uh, video version on YouTube. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, so go ahead and check me out there and Instagram. Uh, not not on Twitter as much, but you know. Anyways, uh, next week I'll, we can talk about some more stuff. But hopefully, if you guys are all opening up, you guys are being safe. Um, I hope you all great. Hope you all have great success in your opens. Uh, go crush it out there. Go make some money. Let's go serve some people and and put some food in some bellies. Uh, remember, um, 
one thing that that at least in college uh, I was an engineering major and I decided to switch to hospitality. We're not we're not as brave as the nurses that you see, you know, saving lives and whatnot. And I'm I'm not a doctor, I'm not um, a fireman, I'm not a, a police officer out there, so, you know, put my life out there. But one of the most powerful things in this world is food and beverage. There is something about eating a warm meal or drinking, you know, an ice cold beverage that brings you back to a happy place, whether that's your grandmother's cooking, that's your mom's cooking, your dad's cooking, um, your first date with your girlfriend or your wife, um, you know, being able to sit at the bar and that comfort of just being relaxed, that experience alone is enough to change somebody's mood. And for that, I'm really proud and honored to be in the industry that I'm in. I understand that you know not everyone's the same and people are going to come with their problems. But I know that when somebody walks into my restaurant and I'm the kitchen manager in charge today and I'm, make, I'm checking the quality of the food and I'm checking the quality of the bar, that when somebody sits at the bar, somebody sits in our dining room and they eat our food and they drink our drinks, that I have a chance to impact them in a way that most people, even if you're a doctor or a nurse, don't get to impact them. You know, they could be having the worst day of their life. They could have just got fired, their mother died, they got broken up with, or they just got a promotion, they just graduated. And they're choosing me, they're choosing our restaurant, they're choosing our bartenders, they're choosing our servers to celebrate with. And to me, that's a really special thing. And if you look at it that way, uh, for me, every day going to work, I'm going in almost an hour now. I'm not going to work. I'm going to have some fun with my coworkers and all my staff. If you think about it that way, you really do have a chance to impact somebody's life. So the next time you have that guest sitting at the bar complaining, don't think about him as just, ah, oh, damn it, Joe's here again to talk about how much he hates his wife. Remember, we are cheap therapists. We're here to listen. We're here to create an experience. We're here to help impact somebody else's lives because you don't know what that person's going to go out and do. Um, so take it how you will. Thank y'all again so much for listening. Y'all take care.